The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them, and they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sons are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed and walk but that you may, may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified, God saying, we never saw anything like this. The Gospel of the Lord. Glory to you. So occasionally my wife goes out of town, and it's terrifying. Because then that means I'm responsible for things otherwise I'm typically not responsible for. And so it is when Trenton goes out of town. Uh, Trenton being our worship leader, he, he's uh, actually, I think, participating in a baptism, and he's being tapped to be a god, you know, a godparent. But we came in this morning, and the screens weren't working. So I just want to warn you, if everything goes out, that's okay. Uh, I think God will carry us through. But um, thankfully, Caleb and Peter and the team worked it out. You, you might see the screens glitching. Apologies. But that's what's going on. Uh, let me begin this moment with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come, Holy Spirit, come, in Jesus' name. Amen. So today's message is titled, How Crazy Is Your Love? And just to catch you up to speed, if you haven't been here in recent weeks, we're working through the book of Mark in the New Testament, and we're asking who is this Jesus, and why should we care? How does this impact our lives? And as we begin looking at Mark chapter 2 in this passage, I want to share a little story with you about the past in our own church. For those that don't know our full story, we started this church kind of with a soft launch in the fall of 2014. Now, we didn't start hiving off as a, you know, a plant of another church. We started as a pioneering church plant with just a couple couples in a living room on our knees in prayer. So as we launched in the fall of 2014 and as we gained like 20 adults, right, and 30 adults, we were really excited for our first Christmas Eve together. Some of you may recall it. Some of you may have been with us even at that point. So here's what happened. 
first Christmas Eve together, we had done our soft launch, started meeting regularly at Providence Baptist Church on Sunday evenings. And of course, when there's holidays, they have services, and so we couldn't continue to meet there during the holidays. So what did we do? We rented out the Pierce Park Pavilion for Christmas Eve. And we planned, even though we were a small church, we planned a beautiful evening together. It was going to be a candlelit service, and, and I made this incredible graphic. Look at this graphic, guys. This is a template off the Internet, and it's not so incredible. It says, please join us for our carols and cocoa Christmas Eve service, and it goes on to say a special fireside gathering, etc., 5 p.m. Christmas Eve at the Pierce Park Pavilion. We had over a hundred uh, chairs brought in, those little white, beautiful folding wedding chairs, and they were perfectly set up, and we had candles and cocoa and coffee and cookies, only to discover that there was like a monsoon underway, Okay. And so we went midday, we were like praying over the rain, and we were doing everything we could think of to hold off the rain. But we went there midday, and the rain was sideways. The wind was so strong, and we had like an inch or two of standing water in the pavilion. And we thought, this probably isn't going to work. So we thought, do we cancel? What do we do? And I just said, you know what, we're called to crazy love, aren't we? And let's just trust that God will do something special. So we took our little yard signs that said the Daniel Island Fellowship. We turned them around. I got a magic marker. And I said, the Christmas Eve service has been moved to 1449 dot, 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 which is my own address. And Carly was like, okay. So then we spent the next several hours clearing out the low, lower level of our house and we put over 100 chairs in our living room, on the deck, outside, inside. And we held the most beautiful, intimate, claustrophobic Christmas Eve service you could ever imagine. Now, here's the interesting thing. I'm going to do a test. In the first service, I asked how many people in that first service were in that Christmas Eve uh, you know, situation or setting in my home. We had over 100 people. Pack into my living room, our living room, standing room only. One family from the first service was there. I'm going to do a test. How many of you guys were at that first Christmas Eve service? Raise your hand. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. They're like, those weirdos. So I don't know where the rest of the hundred went. Listen. In total, there might be 20 people represented between our two services, right? The point being, we, we felt called to go all in to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And I ask you, have you ever been called to do something crazy for the sake of others? Chad, Rowan, Betsy, have you ever been called to do something crazy for the sake of others. You see, this is the big idea of Mark chapter 2 in the story of the friends bringing their friend who's paralyzed to Jesus. I think we can take away from this passage, number one, crazy love is the fuel of friendship, and number two, crazy love is the fuel of faith. Crazy love is the fuel of friendship, 
And crazy love is the fuel of faith. So we're going to unpack this passage and see what it says to us and what it means uh, as it applies through us. Point number one, crazy love begins with open ears. Mason read earlier, and when he, Jesus, returned to Capernaum, after some days it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. So a little background. Uh, Jesus was returning. He had just started his ministry in chapter 1. And they were meeting at a house, some, some, not, not like a, a sanctuary, not a temple, in a house. And word got out that Jesus was there and there was a flash mob event in that house. It was so packed that you couldn't get even in the front door. And just uh, the point is, when Jesus shows up, the word gets out. And for those who have open ears, they begin to respond. Much like happened at the Christmas Eve service in our living room. If you've been with us over the last four weeks, you would have heard me share about Mark chapter 1 and how when Jesus is baptized, as he comes out of the water... There's this voice from heaven that says, Behold, my beloved son. And then there's a transition where Jesus enters into a time of preparation. He's led into the wilderness. He goes through temptation like we all do. And then he begins his ministry. And he begins his ministry, I said a couple weeks ago, through the proclamation, the invitation, and the demonstration of God's power to a world in need. Jesus, as as we read in chapter 1, he says himself, I've come to preach the gospel, which means good news. Heaven is breaking into earth to families, to kids, to youth in need. God's love had come down and moved into the neighborhood, we read in John 1. For those who have open ears, that's where crazy love starts. Now, last summer, just to illustrate this point, last summer, I'm sitting in our living room, and my son, Blaze, runs into the living room. He says, Dad, I've got to go. I said, where do you have to go, Blaze? At the time, he was 11. He goes, I've got to go to dig the Daniel Island Grill. And I said, why do you have to go to the Daniel Island Grill? He goes, Tony Romo's on Daniel Island. Now, apologies for long-suffering cowboy fans in the room, Okay. We're Buccaneer fans. We know what suffering is all about. But Blaze is like, he's famous. I've got to go. John's going. Will's going. We're going. And, and it's, it's on social media, Dad. Now, he doesn't have social media, so I don't know how he knew that. So I said, okay, you know, you can go. And he's finding anything that can be signed. And random stuff has nothing to do with football. But he goes. They go. A whole, a whole slew of kids go to the Daniel Island Grill in... They meet this guy who's not Tony Romo. (laughs) All these people, the word got out. They were going. But that's the picture here with Jesus. The word had gotten out that God's love had come near in the God-man of Jesus Christ, his son. And people were flocking to the scene. 
Crazy love begins with open ears to the love of God found in Jesus Christ. Point number two. Crazy love then responds with willing hands. The story goes on. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. Now, I want you guys to imagine this scene with me. If any of you have read the Bible, you can quickly just gloss over these kind of stories. But we can't gloss over this story. You got a packed house. Jesus is sharing the gospel, uh, sharing a message just like I would be sharing a message. And all of a sudden, there's four guys making it onto the roof. And just imagine the weight of an average adult. They've somehow carried this adult onto the roof. Now, from my research, let me tell you what this roof would consist of. Do we have any people here that like to watch, like, shows on HGTV about building off the grid? Raise your hands. You know, building cabins and such. That's kind of the picture here. The roof, in those days, it would be like timbers two or three feet apart, lining kind of the roof line. Big timbers. And then across the timbers would be sticks. And then across those sticks would be bushes and branches. And then on top of that would be a whole mound of dirt. And then on top of that would be grass. Guys, these four friends were digging through two feet, historians tell us, two feet of roof to lower their friend to Jesus. They're sweating like pack mules. Their willing hands are sweaty hands, dirty hands. Their brows are muddy. And imagine right now, Johnson's, if right above you, you started hearing this. Don't get any ideas. But imagine we're sitting here, and I'm sharing this message, and we hear someone hammering through the roof. And all of a sudden, Mike, he doesn't have hair, but dirt's falling on his head, right? And you're going, what is happening? And then on a bed, this poor man who's paralyzed is lowered down. Imagine the grit and the determination that these people had to bring their friend to Jesus. These men were willing to risk everything to bring their friend to Jesus. Beyond just the physical, you know, exhaustion, their whole reputation would then be you know, connected to this story the rest of their lives, right? Think about it. And then who's paying for the damaged Ruth, Mary? They went all in to bring their friend to Jesus. Let me ask us, and let me ask you, how about you? Do you have open ears and willing hands to bring your friends and your family to encounter Jesus. It's a simple message, but it's challenging, is it not? Would you risk your whole reputation, your finances, your own sweat, blood, and mud covering your body to bring your friend to Jesus?
Two stories come to mind as I think about this point. First is Bill in the back of the room. Bill, where are you? Bill and Dee Dee, right there. A couple weeks ago, I interviewed Dee Dee. And with great vulnerability and courage, Dee Dee shared that for 48 years, she had struggled with spiritual oppression. And that's saying it lightly. That's kind of a vanilla version of saying she had had demonic prayers and kind of, not prayers, excuse me, uh, dreams throughout the last 48 years. And she had taken sleeping aids, prescription drugs to try to sleep through the night, but she had really dark stuff coming at her. And in this world, our rational world, to be able to even share that's scary. But she finally shares that with Bill. You know what Bill did about four months ago in our service? He took her hand with his willing hands and led her to the back of the room to one of our prayer teams. And as she shared here a couple weeks ago, through that prayer, she's been delivered. Literally, she's been protected by God from those attacks. She no longer has to take prescription sleep aids. She can sleep through the night. God is good. Is he not? Amen? And you can listen to her story. She's given us permission to put it online from a couple weeks ago if you weren't here for that. It was really moving. Bill, though, led her to Jesus. Another example of this. Uh, When we started our church, uh, we started with, of course, some of our earliest friends here in Charleston. And and, uh, and I think it takes time to go kind of all in with our church and especially all in with the faith. And my friend Mike, he stood up here a couple years ago and he, he shared his own story of joining our church in this mission. And one of the things that stuck out to me is he said, this has been the best investment he's made in his whole life. I don't know if y'all were here for that testimony. And he was talking about literally his financial investment. He did not grow up in a situation where he learned to tithe early on. I think Trisha and their family had prayed through it and then Honest to God, they've now aligned and they've come together. They carry people here, even in this church today, through their generosity. Mike said to me, and in front of our church, he said, it's so cool to know tithing changes lives. I can see new people coming to church and knowing I get to play a small part in seeing lives being changed, kids being changed, families being impacted for Jesus. Crazy love begins with open ears. It responds with willing hearts. Romans 10 says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Crazy love is fostered not just through open ears to God's love, but through willing hands to bring our friends to Jesus. That's point two. And point three is this. The paralytic Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were, they weren't standing. They were sitting there, mind you. Some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? 
Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed, went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we've never seen anything like this before. The point is, these friends not only had incredible love, they had incredible faith. They had faith in Jesus. One theologian puts it like this. Along with great love, his friends had great faith. There was no way that they would have gone to such outrageous extremes of action if they did not implicitly believe that Christ could and would heal their friend. They went all in with believing hearts, not based on their own strength, but based on the love of God found in Jesus. The word had gotten out. People were flocking to him, and they believed that he would and could meet their friend and love him according to his master plan. And isn't it interesting that you had naysayers in the crowd? I find it interesting that they were the ones with the chosen seats, of course. They weren't the ones standing, offering their seats to another. They were ones sitting, casting judgment at Jesus. And I can assure you of this, anywhere the word of God is going out, you're going to have people just like this. I think the modern language is throwing shade at Jesus and throwing shade at the church. Cody, am I using that right? Okay, question mark, okay. The point being, judging us. But they didn't care. They went all in with believing hearts, flowing with crazy love. And here's the thing. What does Jesus say? He doesn't say, I see the faith of the paralytic. He says, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. And then there's this jousting. There's this honestly kind of this fight, this conversation that's somewhat heated that they bring at Jesus. And you know, I don't know the kind of conversations we bring to Jesus or to God's people, judging what he's doing. One of the interesting things here, just to note, Jesus doesn't immediately heal this man. He says, I forgive your sins. He purifies this man so that there can be a right and redemptive relationship between God and this man. Jesus is looking at the big picture here. He is looking at cosmic redemption. Whereas often, you know, we look at temporal circumstances. God, can I get this job? Can I do this? Can I do that? That's all very well and important. But sometimes there's, bigger, there's a bigger narrative of play. And God, through Jesus, is saying, this son, he's mine. Thank you for your faith, for bringing him to me. Your faith has triggered my compassion. And the scribes and the religious people there, they're throwing judgment at Jesus like, you're, you think you're God? You know what Jesus says? Yep. You know, it, for me, as I look at this passage, they're sitting there reflecting on, say, Psalm 103, where we read, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, 
slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us, treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. How? Through his grace found in his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus essentially is like, you know what? Your judgment, your question of me, is this Yahweh? He's like, you're right. But just so you know, the authority that's been vested in me, been given to me, I'm not only going to forgive this man's sins, I'm going to heal his body. And there's a mic drop. And this guy, he says, son, stand up, rise, walk, and go home. And there's just the collision between heaven and earth in that moment. And it's a beautiful thing. The point of point number three is this. As we begin and bring our friends to Jesus, we can trust that he will see their need and love them well. We can trust that as we bring our family, friends, neighbors to Jesus, it's not all up to us. We can entrust them in their future to him. But there will be obstacles. There will be people throwing judgment at you. There will be doors that are shut. You may, in fact, have to dig through a roof. I don't know what God's going to call you to do to bring your friends to Jesus. But how will you respond Will you literally, with willing hands, open ears, in a believing heart, stand up and say, come, I'll carry you this day? And there's a literary twist, an ironic twist in this story. The people that were called to believe, that were called to proclaim God's word, they did not have open ears. They did not have eager, willing hands or hearts. They did not believe. And the, the twist is this. Who ends up paralyzed at the end of the story? Is it the paralytic or the scribes? Who's left speechless and who's left free from spiritual and physical troubles? God wants to set us free and he wants us to bring our friends to him and trust, allow us to entrust them to him. So in summary, crazy love is the fuel of friendship and it's the fuel of faith. It begins with us having open ears, willing hands, and uh, a crazy love flowing in a believing heart. And I don't care what age you are, this applies to all of us. It's a simple and profound call to, to courage in Christ, in the gospel. Test, right now, in this room, how many people were invited to the Daniel Island Fellowship through a friend? Raise your hand. Friend or a family member? Raise your hand. God is moving even now and even here in our midst. So now what? 
here's the application and here's my challenge, and I think the challenge of the passage. If you know Jesus, who are you called to carry to him with crazy love? Who will you carry at PCA, Davis? Those at the DI school, who will you reach out to with the love of God this week? Those in real estate, how will you live this out? Those in the medical profession, how will you live this out? Will you extend? Will you be the hand that encourage you? Have you ever visited our community? How about joining me at this chili cook-off? Meet some of you know, the other people in our little tribe, if you will. God will use you if you have open ears, willing hands, and a believing heart. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, this is such a simple yet beautiful message where we recognize that crazy love has come in Jesus and we respond with open ears, willing hands, and a believing heart. God, I pray that even today we would give thanks to those who have invited us to know you. And God, I pray like these four friends that we would carry other people to your son, Jesus Christ, and that you would do the rest. We love you and we trust you because you first offered us this crazy love. May we offer it to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.